0: Welcome to 7 Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: Well, good morning. Pretty decent crowd for a rainy weekend. Usually it's rainy, nobody wants to get out of bed. Maybe people were here to repent from watching the games yesterday. And maybe you said some things you ought not of. Um... You know, Alabama had a quite a lead there, and I left and went to a birthday party and found out that the lead almost was was gone. They almost lost, and then I got home and watched Auburn for a while. And um, they've got a new coach. I don't think anybody's informed the coach that they 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 can't throw the ball, so you shouldn't when you can't. But they can run it. They did a did good job of that. Just keep running that thing is what I'm thinking the whole time, but what do I know? I'm just an oh, armchair quarterback, amen? <laughs> so anyway, I want to remind you of this. Listen, we started our uh, Wednesday night uh, groups, men and women's groups, and we meet here every Wednesday night at 6.30, and uh, we had a great showing last Wednesday night, but a lot of, you know, lot, lot of empty seats, so a lot of men and women both need to show up, and it's a good time, and uh, we grow from each other. You can uh, share some of your life experiences. And, you know, it really helps other people to, to grow. And just, uh, it just helps out a lot. So uh, I encourage you to come 6.30. Be here this Wednesday, 6.30, men and women. And so uh, that's about all i got for you this morning. I just want to remind you and encourage you to come to that. And if you've never been, try it. You can't knock it till you try it, right? Right. So I asked Mark. Mark Tan, if you don't know him, some of you are new and you haven't got to hear him preach yet, but uh, um, this is Mark, and I asked him to speak this morning, I didn't know he was moving in, but uh, anyway, that's okay too.
0: Good morning. All right, get our volume good here. All right, so I'm going to preach from download today, is that all right? I get to be more interactive, which I like to do. So we've been along this theme of forgiveness. So Red has served us incredibly well um, in this aspect. So for the last three weeks, if we could pull up three titles. So three weeks ago was... You're full of it. You Remember that one? Yeah. So the idea is, is that if you're full of things like unforgiveness, then there's no place for God to do the things He wants to do in your life, right? So whatever you're full of is what will to come out of your life. So we talked about... Talked of that, you're full of it. Week number two, be selfish. You remember that one? And that is make sure you care for your own soul. Like you have the right to be selfish sometimes and actually care for your soul. Make sure unforgiveness isn't getting into your soul and actually ruining or shipwrecking your life, right? So uh, for those of you who were here last week, there's no reason to say the title, but I will for those who weren't here. So a homer for a gomer. You guys remember that one? (laughs) All right, so it goes to the story of Hosea. Hosea is called to marry a prostitute. It's a beautiful picture of forgiveness. So in the book of Hosea, it said, the spirit of promiscuity, of adultery, had come over Israel. Think about that for a whole nation. And God had this one man marry a prostitute as this idea of forgiveness. Hey, listen, no matter how far you go, I'm still running after you. you. And so Homer, or yeah, he actually went and paid homers for Gomer, but... Hosea actually went, spent a a homer and a half of barley, and bought his wife back. She had sold herself into sex slavery. What a wild story. So no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what we went through, here Jesus actually bought us back much the same way that Hosea did. Fantastic story of forgiveness. Red started with that famous verse, John 3.16. You guys remember that one? For God so loved the world. So even while we were the dirtiest of the dirty, the sinful of the sinful, we made some horrible choices. I'll be first in line. I know I did. And here Jesus actually bought us back for the love he had for each and every one of us. Beautiful story. Well, listen, as always, I have rules of engagement. You ready? So here's your rule of, of engagement today. And that is church is all about meeting God. We have a world around us who tells us, hey, listen, information is the most important thing. It's not. Information won't change your life. God will. So we're not here to meet information. I love speaking to you guys. It's an honor. Um, It's a highlight of, of when Red asked me to come and speak. I just absolutely adore bringing God's word to you. But it's not about hearing me speak. We're actually here to encounter the king. Think about it for a moment. Red touched on it as well. If we would actually take the state of Alabama, just draw back into the heavens for a moment, we would just all become specks. Our cars, our homes, our shoes, our popularity, just dust in the state of Alabama. If we went even further than that, what would earth become? Just a speck of dust. If we pull back even further than that into the solar system, now earth has almost disappeared back further than that into the Milky Way galaxy, now we have completely disappeared. Our reputations, our pride, our arrogance, our strength, our willingness to do things is now meaning nothing. And when you compare the Earth, or you and I, to the entire universe, we're smaller than cosmic dust. We are insignificant significance. So when Paul said he was only who he was by the grace of God, it's because he was nothing more than smaller than cosmic dust. The only thing that makes you and I valuable is the one who created us. It's all about him. And so this morning, the king is here. He has chosen to go through time and space and to be right here in the midst of us because he loves you and I that much. And he's not here to give you information, church. He's here to give you himself. So here's my question for you this morning. What is the most radical experience that you've ever had with God? Was it a conference? Was it when you got saved? Was it church one Sunday? Was it worship this morning? Was it Homer for a Gomer last weekend? Like... What what is the most powerful experience that you've had with God? And why haven't we had more? See, we come to church with this idea that we're here to meet with God. When life is to meet with God. See, life is not a bunch of pretty little boxes. So we got a kid box, and a marriage box, and a work box, and an intimacy with our wives box. Like, we have all these boxes, and we think, okay, I'm just switch boxes. Life isn't that way. It's all about Jesus from A to Z. From kids to marriage, right? From work to family. He, he's anything he's and everything that we do. So we're here to meet with the king today, because he's actually here to meet with us. So the preaching of God's word is only an open door. It's only an opportunity. Worship this morning is just an opportunity of God knocking on the door of our heart saying, will you answer? How about this morning we just rip the doors off of our heart and say, God, we've been bought with a price anyway. You have your way. Come in, rearrange the furniture, make yourself at home. That's what he wants. And I hope that you came here for the same thing this morning because that's what he's here for. So that's your rules of engagement. We're not here just for information. We're here to meet with the King. Amen? So let's dive into God's Word. Can we do a favor this morning? When I was in the military, anytime time a high-ranking official would step into the room, everybody had to snap to attention. They said to hold. Yeah, we had to salute too. So they said, hold like you, you got to do your hands like this, like you're holding quarters, right? Roll a quarter. So we had to just snap to attention, super clear, super crisp, and we had to Show authority. We had to show respect. We talked about in Sunday school, only 9% of Christians actually read their Bible daily. So that's not condemnation, that's encouragement to read your Bible daily, because it's actually really important. So this morning, when we read our opening verse, can you guys do me a favor? No, this isn't a Catholic Mass, but I'm just asking you, can we raise to our feet this morning? Because we're actually reading God's Word. And He's given it to us so that we can meet with Him. So let's read. We're in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Ready? In the beginning was the Word. How many people in church have heard that a couple times? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the life shines, or the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's pray this morning. Father, it's true. We are insignificant significance to you. Our only value is the one who made us. Father, we open our hearts completely to you have your way. May this be the most powerful experience today that we've had with you just because we open our hearts completely to you, Father, because we trust you completely with our hearts and our lives. Have your way, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. For those of you guys who didn't know, um, my son's actually turning 16, So one day he'll be driving, beware, watch out, okay, so one day he'll be driving out there, navigating the roads like all of us do, and so we had a little birthday party for him yesterday, Um, and I walked away from the birthday party heartbroken. Sounds weird, you know, you have a birthday party for your son, Mark, why would you walk away just heartbroken? And I was reminded, how many times do we do things without the presence of God? marky nitpicking hold on how many times so jesus is the word he's from the beginning god does all things through him we are made in the image and likeness of god genesis 1:26 okay so we're made just like god himself so if god does things all through jesus why don't we do things through jesus right so oftentimes we wait for experiences of, of God or with God on Sunday morning when we raise our hands and we got praise and worship or we're having some Bible study at home instead of actually meeting with Him nonstop. I mean, think about it for a second. What things are we supposed to do without Him? Am I supposed to go to work without Him? No. Can work be as much of a powerful presence and experience with God as worshiping on Sunday morning? It sure can. It depends where my heart's at. So, if my heart's in worship on Sunday morning and I'm experiencing God, I got tears running down my face, I got goosebumps, like I'm just feeling it on Sunday morning, I could have the same experience plumbing, hanging blinds, working on air conditioning equipment, or programming a computer. Like it's not limited to, to Sunday morning. It doesn't have to stop Sunday or Monday morning, right? God's desire is that you and I would experience Him nonstop. I shared this with my wife when we first got married. I said, hey, listen, when you fold clothes, you can actually have an experience with God. It's true. When you vacuum, you can have a powerful experience with God. When you wash dishes, you can have a powerful experience with God. When you're helping kids with with their schoolwork, you can have a powerful experience with God. Why? Where is our heart? Is it in adoration and worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Or am I so focused on something else? I talked about it in one sermon. It's like a light switch, like we turn God on and turn God off right? We turn intimacy with God on, turn intimacy with God off. We turn worship on and worship off. Hey, listen, around God's throne nonstop is worship, He's actually called us to be a part of worship, nonstop. It doesn't stop whether we're sleeping or whether we're awake, whether we're in church or whether at home, whether we're in home or whether we're at work. It doesn't matter location. We are in relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and worship never stops. The light switch never goes off. Amen. The most intimate relationships you've seen between husband and wife is when they don't have a light switch and their intimacy continues. They write books about it, Hallmark movies about it, whatever the case may be, right? So it doesn't stop, it doesn't end. And God's inviting us to that same type of relationship. Hey, listen, don't turn the switch off. Because I don't. Does God ever turn the switch off on us? Never. He's just as passionate as he was on Sunday morning as he was on Wednesday night. Like he's radically in love with us, and he's inviting us to the same type of intimacy, the same type of radical love. Well we never turn it off. It's always on. Amen. Amen. You guys ready this morning? Amen. I'm ready. I'm feeling some fire in my bones. Amen? Amen. So again, we have this idea: turn on, turn off. We've learned to worship, turning it on, turn it off. Adoration on and off. Intimacy on and off. He's Lord. On and off, right? Being close to Him becomes an on and off. You ever been in a relationship like that? You feel like you're on the end of a yo yo, push you far away only to push, try to bring you close, right? It's just yo -yo yoism. And sometimes we treat God the same way because we're afraid to show Him the depths of our heart. What's really going on inside there is if He doesn't even know. We have to trust. He's never turned us away, and He's not going to do it now. So why not just live wide open, never turning off the light switch? So I'm going somewhere. We're still on forgiveness. Hold on now. I got some luggage here. We're going somewhere. Never turn the light switch off. That's what a relationship with God looks like. That's Christianity 101. Amen? Amen. We actually find this all throughout Scripture. It's absolutely phenomenal the way that God talks about it in John chapter 15, verse 5, so another very famous passage of Scripture. So John fifteen five. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. I'm sure many of you guys can actually finish the verse. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Nothing in the Greek actually translates nothing. So you can't do anything without him. So why would I ever want to go to work without him? Why would I ever want to parent without him? Why would I ever want to, to steer and, and, and maneuver marriage without him, right? Why would I want to ever do anything without his presence? And I have to live. It's what Tommy Tinney talked about in the Browns Revival. He said, he said it's almost like a, a small kid. Imagine Red wants some tea, and one of your kids wants to fix you some tea. And so they're trying to carefully carry it across the kitchen floor, never to drop even a small amount like learning how to carry the presence of God. And that's what God is inviting us into, learning how to carry his presence. Remember that sermon I preached about how God had me go down and grab a handful of sand and hold a handful of sand all day long and I had a manual transmission, okay? So when I forgot what I had in my hand, the sand would seep through my fingers. And God said, Mark, you forgot what you were holding on to. And oftentimes we get distracted And on Sunday, we're like, Jesus, I'm holding on. And on Monday, things are slipping through our fingers, right? Because we got distracted. And God's inviting us back from distraction and say, hey, listen, I'm the most important thing. Pay attention to me again. Amen? So let's keep going. Another famous passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. Okay, So again, talking about abiding, we have to stay always engrafted in John chapter 15. You never ever separate from the vine. In Romans chapter 8, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit are the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enemy or enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What is he saying? Hey, listen, we're invited to live according to the Spirit. And it's not a light switch. We don't go carnal versus light switch to to Spirit. It's actually always staying in the Spirit, staying as close to God as humanly possible. And guess what? He's done all the work. He's paved the road. He's actually paid the toll. He's done anything and everything to get you to His presence and keep you there. That's what Hosea faced. A nation full of promiscuity, light switch Christianity, light switch Judaism, just turning God on and off. And God says, hey, listen, I'm redeeming you, I'm calling you, I'll bring you back, I won't hold your past against you, it's me and you, just stay. Stay. If you think about it, like, even... uh even Fumi's birthday party, I walked away thinking, "Man, we should have laid hands and prayed for him. Like somehow, some way, we should have incorporated God in everything in that birthday party." Let me tell you, when Shane and I got married, you know who had, who got the first invitation? God. I said, hey, listen, we're not stressing about anything. This isn't about a wedding dress. This isn't about how the men look or what food we're serving. This is not about anything. This is the day the Lord has made. Whether we're getting married on this day or not, this is about Jesus. When people actually came to our wedding, they encountered Jesus, lost and saved alike. Why? Because we choose to make it about Him. And there's not a day on the calendar that's about us. It's always about Him, nonstop. We think about it. You know, we make it about our spouse. We make it about weddings. We make it about birthdays. We make it about careers. We make it about all kinds of stuff. And God says, I'm trying to invite you into a relationship. Will you come? Will you stay? Listen, we can honor people. We can honor birthdays. We can honor marriages, weddings. We can honor all those things and still keep God first place. We don't have to trade the honor of men for the honor of God. Never. We can do all things through Christ. So we've got to keep it light. That's the title of today's message, keep it light. This is what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So now I'm going to use my luggage. You guys ready? I'm going to hop on the stage. It's probably the best place to do it. So imagine, okay, Jesus has actually called us into this life of crucifixion. Imagine this with me. Imagine Gardendale and crosses up and down Main Street, because that's what Rome would do, to scare the citizens into submission. So much so that Josephus, which was a historic writer during Jesus' time, said that they wouldn't even put the term crucifixion on the tip of their tongue. That's just the way they spoke about it. In other words, they wouldn't even discuss it. There was no rumors. There was no nothing. They wouldn't even talk about it. There was so much fear of crucifixion. Jesus steps on the scene and says, Hey, guess what? I'm going to be crucified. Oh, you're talking about it. And then he didn't stop there and said, hey, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to crucify yourself as well. Drop the mic. what you say, Jesus? I've got to crucify myself. Hold on. People aren't even talking about this. Like, this is so scary, people won't even mention it. And you're telling me I've got to crucify myself daily? And Jesus says, yeah, Absolutely. But this is the way most of it happens. And sometimes I know it happens in my life this way. I got too much stuff going on. So then it comes time for me to actually crucify myself daily and hold on. Oh, Jesus, I know you call me to crucify myself daily, but um, I got some stuff right now. I can't crucify myself with my hands full. Right? I'm never going to get there. The only way to crucify myself daily is to realize his burden is easy and his yoke is light and actually put down the things of the world and find myself where I belong. Here. Think about it this way. What kind of stuff do we actually have inside of our luggage? Right? How about this one? Shame. No, I can't crucify myself, God. We really can't meet right now because I got some stuff going on. You don't know what I did last night. Shame, right? How about this one? Regret. So again, we're carrying all this stuff around. And the place where we're supposed to meet Jesus, the place where his presence always is, is on the crucified cross. We got our hands full, right? What about the next one? Hurt? Hurt? Anybody been hurt? If you haven't been hurt, you haven't lived long enough, right? So, we got some hurt in our luggage. Hurt, ready for the next one? Pain? Hurt and pain, cousins, right? What about the next one? Unforgiveness. Jesus is calling us to a crucified life. And oftentimes our hands are just too full to get back up on the cross where we belong. I can't meet Jesus other than the cross. Let me say it this way. My relationship with God is going to go nowhere unless I find myself here daily. Daily. Most of us are trying to do good works out of ourselves with our hands full with past hurts and pains because, you know, I got that divorce and the, they fired me from my job and my family really doesn't like me and I really don't get along with people and I'm carrying all this stuff around. And then I feel like God's let me down because I actually have unforgiveness even against God. God, I prayed about this thing and you let me down, God. God, I prayed about it and it never came to pass. And Jesus says, can you just let it down for a second? Because if you really want to meet with me, there's only one place where we can meet and it's here. Jesus, they came and called Jesus good and Jesus said, hey, listen, there's no one good but God. In other words, I can only find the goodness of God. Anything other than Jesus working through me is self-righteousness. I've got to find myself here as a dead man where it's Jesus working through me and nothing else. But see, it doesn't stop there, right? Because not only do we shove stuff in our own luggages and we're actually carrying stuff around all the time, right? But we actually pack other people's luggage for them as well. How many times have we not forgiven other people? How many times do people don't come come to God because they're carrying around shame and regret and hurt and pain? Right? And who packed their luggage for them? Sometimes we did. Instead of living light. That's what God's called us to. Light living. It's impossible to live forgiving others uncrucified. It's impossible to live a godly life uncrucified. It's impossible to meet with Jesus uncrucified. It's impossible to see your prayers answered like you really want to see your prayers answered uncrucified. It's impossible to forgive a hurtful, crazy world uncrucified. I have to live life. You guys like the luggage? It reminds me of uh, when we went to Italy. For those of you guys who don't know, we actually went to Italy as missionaries. Uh, And the first time we got there, like, we had some luggage. So much so, at the airport, the officer looked at me and said, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I am moving here. So... (laughs) We had pots and pans and carpets, like we had all kinds of stuff, you know. We didn't know what we can get over there, so we had anything and everything we needed. We had pots and pans from our wedding, stuffed in our luggage. We were just (laughs) headed to the mission field, right? You can imagine, I mean, just luggage that just never ended. Sometimes life is that way, and God wants us to live light. Amen? So again, we looked at Mark 10, 18. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God. It's interesting, I hear people say, well, you know, these people, they really don't believe in God, but they're good people. Jesus said, no one's good but God. It's only God in us that's actually good. Anything else is actually self-righteousness. All right, so live light. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. and again, just give you scripture verses for those who are taking notes, 11, 28 through 30, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, for you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a man in the Bible, um, don't hear him preached about very much, um, but we're going to use him as an object lesson this morning, and that's Judas. So you can imagine Judas Iscariot, he's the one who actually betrayed Jesus. Jesus handpicks this man, has him follow him around for three whole years. Judas is seeing miracle after miracle, demons being released from people, people being resurrected from the dead. I mean, stuff that wasn't even recorded, Jesus was doing. Absolutely phenomenal stuff in just three short years. So Judas is actually seeing all these things with his eyes. But Judas worshipped fear more than he worshipped God. So that's why Judas was actually taking money out from the the money bag. So it's one of those things, one for you, two for me, right? And so he's thinking, hey, listen, I need a plan because Jesus said he's going to the cross. Jesus said he's not always going to be here, so I need an extra plan. I need an escape route system set up just in case this thing doesn't plan out like it's supposed to. So that's what he did begin to steal from Jesus himself. It's crazy. And he doesn't stop there because he actually sells Jesus to the crooked religious leaders of his day. And the question is, why? Why would Judas, after seeing with his own eyes that this was God in flesh, seeing all the miracles firsthand, why in the world would he sell out the Savior? Was it because he wanted to take over Rome? Possibly. Was it because he actually wanted the crooked leaders, the crooked religious leaders of his day, to finally be dealt with? Jesus, bring your kingdom, bring it now to this earth. And Jesus had to teach him, hey, listen, this is a spiritual war, not a natural. What was the reason? It was more than just the money. He'd been stealing money the whole time. Why would he betray Jesus with a kiss? It's interesting. In other words, what what was he forcing him to do? So he wanted to greet him with a kiss to let him know, hey, listen, we're still good. What was Judas trying to force Jesus to do? Do you know oftentimes when we have unforgiveness against somebody else it's because we're trying to force them to do something? Oftentimes, our unforgiveness against God is actually trying to force God's hand to do something. And just like Judas, we can get bitter. Deep in our soul, Judas ultimately actually killed himself, committed suicide, with the guilt and pain that he actually packed in his own luggage. Not that Jesus packed for him. He packed his own luggage. So again, oftentimes, our guilt and shame Our unforgiveness that we have against other people is us trying to force them, you need to be a better person. You should say you're sorry. You should make it right. You should pay back your debt. You should make it right with your wife. You should make it right with your husband. And we hold this unforgiveness against people to try to force them to do something. Much like Judas was in the garden when he kissed Jesus. Here you go. Here's your opportunity. He had a backup plan just in case it didn't work. Some money in the bank. Trying to force the hand of God Himself. We have to let it go. Because again, I can't crucify myself with my hands full. I can hold nothing against the good God. And God tells us we can't pack other people's luggage for Him either. You know why? It's the same thing the crooked religious leaders did in Jesus' day. It kept them from God. Our unforgiveness, our manipulation, us trying to hold things against people only keeps them from the only one who can change them. From their very answer. So Jesus says, hey listen, you've got to forgive just like I forgave you. And we learned about it in these these series of messages. The measure that you forgive somebody else is the measure that you actually get from God. In other words, God so cares for the world because He so loves the world, He won't let you pack other people's luggages without answering for it because you're keeping them from a Savior. Just like we can't crucify ourselves with our hands full, neither can the rest of the world. And if God's trying to release us, He's trying to release them as well. We've got to live light. Amen? God's called us to live light. To lay it down. We can't take anything into eternity. There's no hearse behind... Or there's no U-Hauls behind hearse, right? We can't take any of this stuff with us. The hurts and pains and things like that of life... Guess what? We're going to have to get over it. Because you can't take it to heaven anyway. You're going to have to leave it here anyway. Why not enjoy the life that God's called you to live and just start now? Drop the luggage now. Drop the hurts and pains and difficulties now. And the manipulation that we've played in other people's lives, drop that as well. And I invite you to call them up and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Whether you were the one in the wrong or not, just release them in Jesus' name. Let them live light as well. Maybe a spouse did you wrong. Guess what? Call them up and tell them, hey, I'm sorry. Whether you're the one who left the relationship or not, help them live light. And I'm inviting you because I believe God's inviting us. Even today, drop it. Let it go. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for them, and it's not worth it for you. Just let it go and see what God will do. Why? Because there's only one place where God can meet with us. Crucified. And He's called us. Come follow me. But if we choose to follow, come and take up your cross daily. Because that's the only place He is. Crucified. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, listen. I hope that you're leaving way better than you came in. And do me a favor. Just because you're leaving church doesn't mean you're leaving God. Just because we're not still singing songs does not mean you leave His presence. So do me a favor. Take Him with you in your car. Invite Him in your home. Invite him in your family. Invite him in your day. Invite him to work tomorrow. And never stop inviting him. And see what he will do in the world around you. Amen? All right, guys, have a blessed day.